Hello and welcome back to Conversations with the Mind. I'm your host as always, Shane LaMaster. I want to first start off start it off just like we do with every podcast by expressing our dearest and uh, most sincerest uh, thank you for everybody who's been listening. And that's the greatest way you guys can support us is continue to listen. Um, also, if you can, please like and share our posts, like and share our videos. We also have a YouTube page that you can find us, and I'll uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about that when we talk about Mind Ops. But we just want to thank everybody for listening and sharing. That's the best support that you can give us. That know that lets us know that our message and our efforts are worthwhile. And um, I can't tell you how much we love just when. You know, people will come up to us and, and tell us that they've listened to our message and it'll spark off a whole new conversation, whole new perspectives being brought to the table. Um, yeah, this is an infinite thing. It's really cool. Um, so always um, best way to support us is to listen, like and share second. But if you would like to donate to the podcast and we don't take any profits uh, from the podcast, all of the donations coming in so far are being collected into a separate account, and I'm going to be using those funds to upgrade our mic systems. So a quick shout-out to um, my buddy Joel, who we saw today at Open Mat. Um, haven't seen him for a while, but Joel came up to me today and told me that some of the sound quality on, on my podcast is a little bit uh, substandard. So uh, my podcast, in comparison to other podcasts, you have to turn up the volume much louder uh, I've noticed that too, and thank you, Joel, for for bringing that to our attention. Um, that's one of the reasons why we want to upgrade our systems, upgrade our mics, upgrade our sound equipment, um, so that we can give you guys a better message, a clearer message, and one that you guys don't have to strain to hear. So, um, as always, you can donate to the podcast. Uh, you can find those those links on any of the the podcast websites um, on your app, whatever you're using. So as always, we are sponsored by MindOps. Uh, you can find us at uh, mindops.com. That's M-I-N-D hyphen O-P-S. We are an eclectic and mobile counseling company. Um, we do full-spectrum mental health and uh, mental performance enhancement with a number of different specialties, uh, anything from general psychotherapy, um, dealing with disorders and things like that, to uh, mental performance enhancement, um, to psychedelic integration therapies as well as addiction counseling. So we uh, are eclectic in the sense that we we tailor our interventions and our tools to the individual or the team or the business coming to see us. So we don't have a uh, one-size-fits-all approach. It's definitely tailored to the client um, using a client-centered approach. And we're also mobile, which makes us different than a lot of other counseling companies in that we can come to your location. We can um, meet in various venues, whether if you're an athlete, we can meet at your training facility. If you're a, a surgeon or doctor, we can meet in your office during your lunch hour. You know, if you're a businessman, we can certainly come to your company and, and give sessions there. So um, check us out, mindops.com. Um, we can also do distance and teletherapy as well. So if you're listening from across the country or across the world, feel free to go to our website, reach out to us. Um, and we can set something up through through uh, Skype or some other venue that's um, uh, encrypted and, and confidential. So on to our good news story. Uh, we actually have two today. Uh, one is a local Colorado story. The other one is from the Good News Network. Um, I love the Good News Network. Uh, you guys can find it at goodnewsnetwork.org. This first article comes from there, and it uh, the title says, School installs vending machine that dispenses free books to kids who read. And I thought that was freaking awesome. Um, now, 
you know, I, I can't remember, uh, I, I, well, I, I distinctly remember in elementary, middle school and high school going to like book fairs and things like that and getting discounts on books through, through mailings. And, you know, this was before the internet was used for ordering books, like through Amazon and stuff. So, um, this is so cool to see that, that we're using some of our technology to actually, uh, promote and and give away resources to kids who want to put the time and effort into developing their minds. Um, just a really cool effort going on, uh, and I fully support that. The second good news story uh, is a local Colorado story, and uh, being an addictions counselor, I hear a lot about um, drug use and drug policy here in the state as it changes. And recently, I think it was last week sometime, Colorado opened its first ever um, safe injection site in the Denver area. And that's super cool. Um, for those of you who don't know what safe injection sites are, um, it can seem, uh, when you first hear about it, it can seem a little, uh, strange that we would open up public spaces for people to come in and legally use their drugs without, uh, fear or risk of, uh, legal incarceration or things like that. One would think that that would only encourage more drug use, but, um, being an addiction counselor, there's, you know, we have to stay up to date on the research and the research shows the exact opposite that having these safe injection sites actually promote, um, greater health within the drug using communities. Um, that's one of the major risks is sharing of needles and things like that, that passes not only disease, but all sorts of terrible things. Um, so these safe injection sites where people can use their drugs in a safe environment, have their drugs tested on the spot to see what's in it, uh, get free cl uh, clean needles um, so that they're not reusing or sharing needles. And there's usually medical staff right there, um, which is fantastic to, to help avoid these, these people going into overdose. Um, so there's full medical teams there on staff keeping people safe and uh, giving them a place to do what they're going to do anyway. Um, and also keeping it off the streets. So in my opinion, as, a, as an addiction counselor, I find that that is uh, an amazing way, um, sort of a, a bridge into harm reduction for some of these people who are in need. Uh, so those are our good news stories for today. Um, today we have our first ever return guest. Um, of course, Callie, my wife, has been on more than once, and she will continue to be one of my most frequent guests. Um, but Scott has been on the podcast before. Um, he was, um, I think in the first, at least in the first 10 podcasts, um, and this, the, the last session that I did with Scott was, um, at an undisclosed location after a post DMT session that we processed together and, and talked a lot about. And that podcast actually has had consistently the most listens out of all my episodes. Cool. Um, so yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. There's, there's some ideas or topics we're talking about that are really switching people on. Um, and so I want to welcome you back, Scott. Yeah. Thank thanks you for, for having me. Yeah. yeah. So, um, since this is your second time back, you know, I want to still incorporate that initial question into the podcast. Um, but I want to, because I anticipate that your, your perception on the question has changed somewhat. You've been on significant journey in the last six mm -hmm. months. So conversations with the mind. Um, if our listeners want to hear about what it was, what it meant to you six months ago, I suggest they go back and listen to that podcast, but you've recently been on a, on a cross country bus trip, mm -hmm. um, all sorts of crazy experiences that we're going to talk about today. How has, um, your perception of that question or, of, uh, 
you know, what conversations of the mind means to you after having so much time on the road in your mind with yourself having those conversations. Sure. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I want to go back and see what I said the first time too. Um, but uh, right now, I, one thing that seems clear to me is that I am not my mind. And I may have thought that earlier, but I, I don't think I distinctly realized that until recently. And um, I, I could observe my mind going places um, in a way um, that I had not previously. Um, and I was doing a lot of meditation, doing a lot of solo time in the wilderness. And um, after observing it, I, I do see that um, in a lot of ways our the way that we navigate reality is 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 a conversation with our mind with each other's minds um and and sometimes I, I feel like i've been able to connect with people by circumventing their mind in, in a in a direct emotional way and so conversation with the mind to me is, is very fitting because um at first i glance i think most people think that they are their mind and that their mind is in control and for most of us maybe it is but um I'm realizing that I can change my mind um, and in ways that I didn't know was possible before. That's amazing. It's amazing that you, you know, and I, at this point in my, in my journey in this life and, and exploring, I'm not even surprised when these synchronicities come up um, when I share what I'm about to share. But so in my, in my everyday weekly uh, mental health counseling practice, uh, usually with my groups, my group therapy that I run throughout the week. I'll pick one meditation and work with that meditation all week with all my groups. Um, and as the week goes on, you know, I may do this meditation 30, 40 times. And every time new layers unpack for me, mm -hmm. things change, they shift. And it's interesting that you brought up what you were just talking about today because I want, if for any of our listeners, you can go out and find this on YouTube. Um, just put in Louise Hay, L-O-U-I-S-E-H-A-Y is the woman's name. Um, uh, and it's called Taking Mental Control. And throughout this meditation, she talks about just that, that mm. the mind is just a tool and that we have deeper layers behind the mind. The only reason why we think the mind is in control is because we've conditioned it to assume that role or to mm -hmm. think that it's in charge. But just like any other habitual thinking pattern, uh, we can untrain that and we can, you know, peel back the layers, step back from our mind and see that it is just a tool. It's not right. who we are. Once we realize it's a tool, that's when the fun really begins. Because yeah. how can we maximize the use of this tool? And what I've been telling my, my clients this week is like, when you first start this journey of using your mind as a tool now um, to enhance your experience, you start out as like a Swiss Army knife with like two blades on it, right? Mm -hmm. Just a couple tools. Yeah, you, you have a little bit of skill. But by the time, you know, a couple years down the road and you're making these, these, um, these progressions in your mental tools kits, you soon have a Swiss Army knife with like 20 different attachments, right? right? Yeah. And you can use your mind in 20 different ways for specific tasks, and each tool can do 100 different things, you know? And, mm -hmm. and uh, so, yeah, I just think it's synchronistic that you brought, bring that up, but cool. also I'm not surprised yeah, right? that you brought that up today. So cool. it's really cool. So, yeah, tell me about the bus trip. Um, yeah, so... A lot has changed for you in your mind space mm -hmm. because of this physical journey that you took. Right. Yeah, and it was, I mean, um, I, I treated it, and, and indeed I treat the rest of my life, I think now at least so far, as, as a mythological adventure. 
as in um i was that last time yeah joseph yeah, campbell yeah and it was like the the buying the bus and going out in there that was like a hero's journey for me and that was like going into the unknown not sure of where i'm going not sure of exactly what i'm going to see i'm not sure of how i'm going to feel um but it was definitely transformative in a lot of ways and i'm still feeling that transformation occurring it's like it didn't stop when i got back it's more like it taught me the the tools that I would need, or at least reinforced a lot of the tools that I would need to continue to continue my transformation. Because I think that uh, a truly valuable life is one in which you are constantly transforming mm-hmm. and, and changing your mind. I mean, and that's to me like being able to change my mind on a topic is probably the most important thing that I could do as a scientist. As too, a scientist, you know? for yeah, sure. As, as a, and I think everybody could do that. You know. Um, but, um, you know, I, I come to some problem or something with in the forefront of my mind with what I think the solution might be. And it turns out if I'm fluid in that, I will reach the answer quicker. You know, if like I come in and I think it might be this and I can like mm. wiggle around and like maybe it's not quite that or maybe it's a little bit more this, maybe it's more that, you know, and maybe I was totally wrong. You're open to adjustment yeah. rather than being stuck in, a, in one. Right. Yeah. And it's like um, – I, I'm finding that I envision something, and though it's never exactly the way that I envision it, it's usually better, and usually it's um, it's usually harder than I thought. Like most things I envision coming to me being easy or um, or coming very naturally, but a lot of times it's about that iterative process, like learning a new song on guitar. I, I practiced a lot of music while I was. Um, traveling and one thing that I, I worked on was process rather than product mm-hmm. so instead of like l- writing a new song I practice writing songs I practice learning new songs and I, I practice my practicing mm-hmm. you know and that in some ways that's more important because now it feels good to practice and, and that iterative motion of, of working on a single song rotating out when it gets old and then you know moving through that in a fluid way that 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 process um, is, is something that I, I don't think I'd worked on in a long time and, and something I had let slip and I didn't even notice. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so in sports psychology, we talk about it just in those terms. We call them outcome goals and process goals. Mm-hmm. And the research shows that you know a focus uh, more on process or performance goals um, ends up getting you to your outcomes, and they're usually better, and mm-hmm. you usually get there faster with much less stress, right? right. Rather than focusing on just the outcome. Right. right, and I think you know on the mat today in open mat we were talking a little bit about this, and it relates um you know knowing that the submission is your outcome, right, mm-hmm. but not being locked into how that outcome is going to work or how it's going to get how you're going to find yourself in that yeah, outcome what it's going to look like yeah. right because if you lock yourself into that um then you you're almost like closing yourself up to all the other options that may be better right so being more fluid being more um focused on the process of getting to it mm-hmm. rather than being there right yeah so this this bus journey for me in my head it reminds me of the australian walkabout mm-hmm. or like a native american um you know uh what do they call it i forget um i can't believe i'm forgetting this but where they where they go up into the mountains for a number of days and, oh, um, and uh sit in one spot in meditation and, and watch nature and connect with nature spirit quest spirit quest yep 
Or a vision quest. Vision quest, yeah, yep. that's what it is. Yep, so that's what it reminds me of, mm-hmm. is a modern-day vision quest. Yeah, that's, um, you know, and I just turned 28, so um, Saturn has returned for me, and um, that's felt what's what it felt like. And, and all the stars kind of aligned on that, and my really good friend who I bought it from... Um, I mean, I only bought it because of the person I was buying it from. And him and I have a long connection that goes all the way back to my days in Flagstaff. Um, and, um, and before I even knew him, mm-hmm. um, I was friends with one of his friends. And he was the person who always supplied us with LSD. Mm-hmm. And it was always com- coming from the same friend. Um, and for me, it still only ever comes from the same friend. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening, buddy, mm-hmm. it's you, man. <laughs> shout out. Uh, shout out. Um, mm-hmm. Fellow psychonaut and, mm-hmm. and mind explorer. Mind mm-hmm. explorer, yeah. And, and um, in a lot of ways, healer. Um, yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, so um, one one part of the of the bus trip. So, you know, out on my on my vision quest, um, I focused, there were, there were three main themes, really, of, of the quest, and um, if anyone goes back to listen to the last one, they'll, they'll remember it. It's, it was fear of death. Right. So um, my primal fear of death that leads to all other fears, you know, fear of loss, fear of permanent change. Mm-hmm. And you wanted to explore that, right, in order to not necessarily overcome it, but form a different relationship with it so that it was no longer holding you back from things. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and I think, and that's where I'm at right now, and um, my, my fear of death is kind of like a um a volunteer and on on my team of my inner psyches you know i view all of the gods and goddesses as part of the inner human psyche and it's it's something that i need to pop up you know if i'm like mountain biking i'm about to fall off a ledge or something like that or if i'm driving too fast on black ice um i need it to pop up and say hey mm-hmm. slow down like you you're in danger but i need it to also sit down when i take that corrective ac- action mm-hmm. when i listen to it then I tell it to sit down and I and, and know that it's there and know that it's there and want it there and have gratitude for it um, and then not let it seep into other areas, you know, other areas of permanent change that does mm-hmm. necessarily happen, which in some sense is a death of what I thought it was going to be, you know, like an sure. ego death type thing. Um, so fear of death was one of them. Um, the other big one was cold and darkness. Um Kind like of like exploring that, or yeah, exploring and, um, that space. I'd been working with the Wim Hof method, nice, um, and so like that, and that's kind of like fear of death too, because like you know, one of the things that it feels like death might be is just a, the void, yeah. just nothingness, which that to me qualitatively feels dark and cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one was sexual energy. Mm-hmm. So I I trained with some tantric sex practitioners about a year ago, and um, I've been working with those themes and kind of interweaving them together you know and 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 the the process of death that gives new life and the process and the the joy and ecstasy that is sexual uh, interaction Mm -hmm. and um so i was i was playing with kind of all three of those and just amalgamating them really and into what it is to like meditate and do breath work and then you know like i was up in some high mountain areas um doing breath work and then going and jumping in cold water you know, like doing the Wim Hof thing of doing your breathing exercise and then going and sitting in cold water and the the rush that you feel and the, the, the joy you feel when it comes after like kind of going over that ledge of what my body, what I think my body can tolerate. Because, mm-hmm. um, and there is a certain amount that my body can tolerate, but my mind is, right. is, is restricts it yeah, more. It's like a governor on a Yeah, car, right? exactly. And it's like, in that, in that some sense, that's kind of the, the fear 
friend, you know, that's like, hey, you know, like, you really shouldn't spend too much time in that water because there's ice on those banks. Mm -hmm. And, like, if you spend too much time there, you will get hypothermia and you will die. Right. And I probably shouldn't die yet, you know. Right. But it, but the the key is too much time, right? Right. That doesn't mean no time. Right. right? So, so whereas it before, you know, the fear or that, that mental aspect in the back that's sort of being the governor and saying, hey, you better not do this, mm -hmm. um, it turned into almost a paralytic where it would it would prevent you from even jumping in the water even for a split second. Right. Right? Whereas now you recognize that. And again, we go back to using the mind as a tool you know your your conceptual your new conceptualization of death is useful now to you because you recognize it as just a tool right, right. it's a tool to to make sure that you're not going too far over the edge when you shouldn't be right mm -hmm. common sense stuff but it's also a tool to help you push your pe yourself past what you think is possible right. into those potentials right and we were talking yeah. about that earlier today those potentials um, that we all have, right? And how many of us out there are, are limited by our fears? Mm -hmm. And again, that primary fear of death or the primary fear of loss or the primary fear of hurt, mm -hmm. you know, all these things being connected in some way, um, you know, prevent us too much right. from realizing what we can be. Yeah, it's like uh, it the, the world is a walled garden mm -hmm. and we build our walls too high sometimes. And it feels like it should be more of a semi-permeable membrane, right? It's sure. a cell membrane. And, yeah, we filter things out, but we have to engage in stuff. And sometimes it's good to be absorbed into, some time, into something, and sometimes it's good to shy away of yeah. certain things. Yeah. The way that I have engaged um, my exploration of death um, comes from more of a, a Buddhist, Tibetan Buddhist lineage. So I have a, a set of mala beads that are made out of yak bone. Mm -hmm. And um, in particular bone um, in the Buddhist tradition when you use it as a mala uh, is only supposed to be that mala is only supposed to be used when meditating on death mm -hmm. um, and the point of Buddhist meditation on death is not to become absorbed into it not to become sadistic or masochistic or right. or you know glorify death by any means but to understand that it is probably the most natural thing that we're ever going to do mm -hmm. none of us is going to fail at it Mm -hmm. Right, we're all going to succeed, <laughs> yeah. no matter how yeah. hard we try yeah. to not. Right, but um, the way that they approach it, um, and that's the way that I try and integrate it, is meditating on death changes my relationship with the idea of dying, mm -hmm. and um, not only does it make me more comfortable mm -hmm. with just my own mortality, and but also it it helps to invigorate my passion for life now. Right. Like my waking consciousness yep. and it reinforces all the beauty that I need to be paying attention to and all the, the time wasted that I could be spending, you know, living out my full potential, mm -hmm. you know, and I love that practice that it's not, it seems counterintuitive, you know, meditating right. on death should be depressing, right? right but yeah. really it's not, it's, it's invigorating. Yeah, yeah. It's really liberating for me. Yeah. So, um, all, so those were like the three themes that I was working with. Okay. Um, and um, it all, and I had uh, far too many adventures to really talk about in, how long do we have an hour? Um, well, it depends on how long you have, because okay. we can go longer than that, too. Okay. I figured out how to do that now. So Okay, okay. cool. Mm -hmm. um, well, most of it is more of um, personal friendship explorations. I visited a lot of friends. Nice. Um, and um, so saw them. One thing I noticed that was very interesting is I just treated 
every person that I saw as a reflection of me in some way. Like we're all this multifaceted jewel that is humanity, but mm -hmm. at the center, we're all the same. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the concept of behind namaste, really. Yeah. And, um, and I, I feel like I recognize at a deeper level than I ever had before and, and treated old friends or random people as like, this is a version of me. And so when I'm caught up with friends, I caught up on all the good stuff that was going on with their life and all of their struggles as well. And it was really kind of uh, beautiful to see because there are so many similarities between what I've struggled with and what my friends have struggled with. And to be able to just talk to each other and be like, hey, you know, you're not alone in that. And for me to know I'm not alone in that and to really like and talk about what's helped me and talk about what's helped them and just really have that discussion. Um, but I, and I, I always kind of played my hand I was who I was um, in a way kind of based off where I was you know so if I'm in the mountains by myself with my dog it's meditation it's music it's going to bed early it's fasting sometimes you know um, very clear um, but then it's like if I'm in a city or something like that we're going to breweries we're going to a show um, when I was in Vancouver I um, took Somali and went to a concert um, which I hadn't done in, in a long time, and um, I knew nobody there. Mm -hmm. The one person I knew had to be backstage the entire time. What concert was it? Uh, they're called IMUR. Okay. Um, Never heard of yeah, them. they're they're. <laughs> but my my buddy's their band cool. manager, nice. and they're doing an album release party. So it was super high energy. Like they were really excited. The audience was really excited. I was really excited, and just to to engage with the audience on that level, it was it was really cool because it was like. I, it really helped me to recognize that, like, hey, I can navigate a situation where I don't know anybody. I could move to a new city, and I could make new friends just based off the fact that I'm just going to be out there, you know? Yeah. This is me, you know? It's going to be authentic. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. I could be anyone I wanted to. I could do whatever I wanted to, but I'm really just going to, like, which is what I do, you know, mm -hmm. which is, like, just I'm be just kind gonna, and yeah. have fun. I'm just going to do me, and people will come. Yeah, and yeah, it was totally. like, um, I knew it was going to be a good night. It was really funny. Um went up to the bars coming up on the molly and i'm like i just want a, a cup of water you know and i'm i'm like you know they're like asking for a cup of water from a very busy bartender and this girl just walks up um and she just starts like talking about how she's there with two guys that she doesn't want to really be there with and then she ends up buying me a drink and is like trying to hang out with me and stuff and i was like oh cool like i'm not really like interested in this right now but like you know it was, it was very kind you know and um it was it was cool to um just know that the People will will be willing to engage with you if you're just open. You yeah. Know, if you're just like open and vulnerable and out there, like without expectations too. Mm -hmm. That was the funny thing is I made so many friends along the road. Like I in a lot of places I camped, I just got adopted by friend groups. Mm -hmm. um, if it seemed like if I just put in the minimal amount of effort, it was like catalytic. Mm -hmm. It was like a transistor. Like I just put in a little bit of effort, and like people were like, "Yeah, come hang out with us." And, was, you know, having a dog helps. You know, yeah, a cute sure. dog walks up and says hello to everybody. I'm just like, hey, people. And they're like, come hang out. I'm like, all right. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, and I, I've always felt like I tried to do that to other people, too. So it, it felt like reciprocated. Like it was like the universe knew that if I saw a random stranger that looked cool and wanted to, like, hang out, it was like, yeah, come hang out with us. Mm -hmm. It's like it's always come, come, come in, come in. Like, you know, and um, that's a... My friend just got back from Nepal, and she was telling me about how welcoming they are, and um, and how much they they just want you to like be healthy and happy, and it's just like 
you know, they treat you as if you are a reincarnation of the one, mm -hmm. you know, which we are, you yeah, know, so we, we should are. be treating each yeah. other like that because that is you, you know, right, the other exactly. is you, the stranger is you. Right. Um, but all of the, all of those, those, those themes in my life all really culminated on, um, a psychedelic trip that I took with LSD. And, um, I had, I had listened to Michael Pollan's new book on audiobook. Mm -hmm. um, Which one is that one? Um, How to Change Your Mind. Okay. I think I uh, actually ordered that book. Okay. Yeah, I haven't it, read it yet. Yeah, I'm getting that. Oh, spoiler, I'm getting that <laughs> for my family members for Christmas because <laughs> nice. I think it's going to be a good – it's a good introduction. It's very mm -hmm. kind of mainstream and um, very well put together in a way that's accessible for someone who's not already in that. Scene. Yeah. Um, and, but it was really cool cause he talked a lot about the psychology and the science of it. And I was really looking for, to try and find some mushrooms, mm -hmm. um, because I'd, I'd recently had a lot of positive experiences with mushrooms and I've had a lot more kind of shadow dark experiences with LSD and, um, all of my connections for the mushrooms fell through and, but I did have LSD. Um, and so I decided that, you know, the thing to, for me to do was to do the LSD. I had it. I, I had had good experiences with it, and it seemed like it was synchronistic that I should have that material, that, that medicine is what I had. Mm -hmm. um, and so I decided that that is what I was going to do. And I was in this really beautiful area called Lost Coast. It's about um, a couple, it's about 100 miles south of Arcadia, maybe less than that, in Northern California. Mm -hmm. It's like 25 miles of beach wilderness. There's like three tectonic plates that meet there. So they just built nothing there. So it's just, Tons of wildlife. We saw like seals and sea lions. I'm pretty sure I saw a shark. Mm -hmm. um, saw you know snakes and birds and all types of stuff. And so it's me and me and my dog Leo. And um, I I prepped a lot. I mean I spent like a good two months preparing myself psychologically and mentally for this. And um, I did everything that I could possibly think to prepare for this. So I chopped vegetables for the dinner I would cook later in the night. I cleaned the bus fully. I had it like looking nice, uh, you know, because I I, wouldn't, I needed a landing strip, yeah. And I and I, I I wanted to make sure that you know if I'm going off on this experience where I'm going to be focusing on death, that I really want to like have things put together. But when I came back, right, and your sanctuary in your landing zone is yeah. super important. Yeah, and it's like um, and important that you set that up ahead of time. I tried right. to set that up in the midst of an experience, mm -hmm. and then I come to afterwards. And I'm like, what was I thinking? Why is every pillow in the house like in this one room? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like because you know, when I've tried to use a knife, like I tried to oh, while yeah. I've been trip, been in state before, and I can't do it. No. Even though my mind can clearly do it, and it's weird because I can play an instrument just fine usually. Mm -hmm. But there's no risk of, of physical yeah, injury right. from yeah. that. <laughs> and, it's like, and I think the distraction factor, too, it's just like too tedious to try and chop yeah. vegetables while you're doing yeah. that. And so I, I had gotten everything as ready as I possibly could. I knew the high tide because there were parts of the trail that were impassable at high tide. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I don't want to go out there, be ready to come back and have high tide come in and be, be stuck out yeah. there, you know, because that could definitely happen. Um, fortunately, high tide was at noon that day. So I dosed around 10 a.m. and started walking ran into several people that seriously felt like parallel versions of myself. Hmm. And um, one of them had just read Michael Pollan's book. Um, and he... So you meet these people on the trail and you spark up conversation? Yeah. Right away get... I mean, that's, it was, it's so, crazy how, how you, you get right into Michael Pollan right away. Right, yeah. And, and it's it funny because one of the things that kept happening is I would see people and my I'd be naturally 
want to avoid them. Mm-hmm. I'd have this like instinct of like, oh, I don't want to talk to people. They're going to know I'm sure. tripping right sure, now. Sure. And so what I did was I went and talked to them. It was like, as soon as I felt that like fear of oh, like, wow. I don't want to do this. You I was like, towards it. Yeah. I was like, like, I got, I got <laughs> I have to do that. To do that. Yeah. yeah. I was like, as, like, cause awesome. the, the only structure out there was this lighthouse. And I came up and there were like these four dudes on it and they looked like caricatures. Like they look kind of like ghosts to me, honestly. I was like, you know, cause I was coming up, you know, this is mm-hmm. like 11 AM. This is not that far in. And I'm like, those, I can't tell. And they're like, and I'm like, you know, walking up from afar and like, we kind of make awkward eye contact and stuff. But I went up and en- engaged with them pretty much immediately. Cause I was like, I feel like I have to do this. Like whatever I'm afraid of is what I should go towards. Um, and, um, yeah, no, it was interesting. I didn't talk to those guys about it, but another guy I had run into like three or four times and I finally just mentioned that I had dosed that day. And, um, it was interesting because we just got in the conversation and, and like it, it flowed really well. And then just like when it was time for us to depart, it just, it just went like, and it, everything felt smooth and organic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now I'm like, all right, I'm coming up. It's like high tide at this point. I'm like walking down the beach and I just know that it's time for me to lay down. Like it's time for me to lay down and go inward as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And so I, I go off the trail as much as I can. Um, and I go down to the waves and, um, I start to realize I'm like, man, Maybe I pushed too hard. Like, this is getting really intense right now. So these thoughts, maybe I pushed too hard, is that like in a in a grander life context? Like, man, or, I pushed too hard or maybe this instance. This instance. Okay. And so I'm like, I'm coming up pretty quick. And it's like, it's really foggy right now. It's like, and it's like hard to like. It's ominous. Yeah. And it was like, and I like, I'm starting to think and like, I get to this point and this has happened to me in state before where it's like, you might have a psychotic breakdown right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh all right, let's do it. You know, I'm just like, if I'm going to have a psychotic breakdown, this is a great place for it to happen. It kind of makes sense, right? Like I've been traveling in a bus. I'm kind of kooky anyway. Like if I just go totally bonkers right here on this beach, I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. I was like, let's do it. Let's have a psychotic breakdown. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, and to me, like conversation with the mind, like it, it feels like it's particularly with LSD that it has like this will. Like, and I, I think it's my own mind. I think it's my own mind opening up. And I think it's really actually my higher self trying to come to and interacting with my mind. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes like controlling my mind in a way that like I don't necessarily understand. But it, I felt like that was almost a gatekeeper test of internally being like, are you going to be afraid to lose your mind right now? Mm-hmm. Like, are you going to be afraid to let all of that go? I was just going to say, like, instead of the phrase losing your mind, you could just replace that with let go. Like, right. are you willing to let go yeah, of your mind? Aside. Let go of your mind right now. Let go of what you think your mind should be right now and open yourself up to the infinite possibility that I'm about to show you. Yeah. Right. And, and, um, it, that's pretty close to what happened. So, I mean, I did that and uh, I'm here, so I didn't have a breakdown. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like it just pivoted and I felt like this new energy in my body. And I, I started to do, um, you know, different, um, like yoga motions. Um, and I started to try to circulate my, um, prana, my, my energy, mm-hmm. my sexual energy through my body. Um, and I was, I was breathing, doing meditation stuff. And then I, I was called to the water. And, um, so I got totally naked cause I was going to die or be reborn or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew that I was supposed to be naked. And, um, earlier in the day I'd seen a dead stingray and that just popped into my head as I went in and I laid down in like a shallow part of the water and I'm getting splashed by these waves. And I just started to imagine what it'd be like to be a dead stingray. Mm. Like how, how would it feel to be a dead stingray? And I realized nobody cared that if I was a stingray and I died, nobody cared. Nobody batted an eye. Nobody, 
the world goes on. The world goes on because and the 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 stingray spirit moves on, mm-hmm. like through its progeny and through its life and through everything else that it, it's done with the other stingrays. It it continues mm-hmm. on, and the individual dying doesn't matter. Right through really. its connections and the memories that others have of it, it lives on in other ways mm-hmm. and in many different branches other than just that bo- that body. And the only way for it to evolve and the only way for it to truly continue on is for the individuals to die. Yeah, it's like this continual renewal process of death and birth, and then not even necessarily rebirth of the same individual, birth of a newer individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I felt that, and it it felt honestly kind of relieving, being like, wow. It's not a big deal, you know, to die as a stingray or to die as an individual is not a big deal. And then um, I was kind of in that for a while, and then I became a muscle. And I, I think I was actually physically holding on to a rock. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was, I was I felt the water of, of just these pounding waves, you know, coming in, and um, they're unpredictable. And, you know, I'm getting, like, salt water up my nose and in my <laughs> eyes, and I'm, I'm getting cold. And I, I started – and that's where, like, the, the cold was, was – felt good, and it felt invigorating because it was, like – and having the waves come in, because then I had my eyes closed. Mm-hmm. I had no idea when they're coming. And uh, it was like, this uncertainty is what drives life. You know, like, it's like life, I just, you know, scientifically, that's a that's a theory that life came from, like, the, the frothing waves, you know. But mm-hmm. to me, like, intuitively, that felt like it was necessarily true. And that really... Um, even probably at the deepest levels of, you know, like the plank length at like the quantum foam level, mm-hmm. I feel like that's where like life is actually coming out, you know, yeah. and I feel like the mind probably exists at that level and then manifests itself outward from that. And it's like this frothing uncertainty is what drives the change and drives the life. It reminds me a lot about chaos theory, <clears throat> you know, that the universe is innately chaos and, and random things happening, but if you were to step way back and see the whole of chaos that is our existence, then it would actually, you would see patterns and forms and shape and, and it would be organized. The chaos in itself is an organizing factor. If blown up into a macro view, right? And if you wait long enough, right. So let let it resolve. Yeah. So when you're feeling that uncertainty of the waves coming in, you're like, okay, this uncertainty is the life bringer. This, this uncertainty is that chaos that, you know, I may not see the pattern right here, but there is a larger pattern. There's a right. machinery at work here. Right. You know, and I'm, I'm just a piece of that. I'm just a yeah. part of that. Yep. And, and, you know, I think uh, some of the listeners may, um, you know, when, when some people think about death, it brings up that fear piece. Mm-hmm. Um, but also some people get worried about when other people talk about death, too, um, mm-hmm. thinking that they may be leaning that direction that they may want to die because they're finding, you know, death not to be so scary anymore. And, right. I, and this is not that. This is right. not what you're saying. No. What you're saying is, you know, you you finally understood or, or were downloaded the knowledge of around death and mm-hmm. that it wasn't something to be feared. It wasn't something to be scared of. Um, it was just a natural process. And you can, you know, you came back from that and you said that shift happened. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So I was like, so I was the muscle for a little while, feeling the uncertainty, and then I was me again. And I, I don't know how long I was in the water, but I like by this point I'm like cold and shivering. And I get up out of the water and I, I, I put on my my swim trunks, and then not but like five minutes later, a group of hikers walk up, <laughs> and it's like I don't know what they would have thought if they saw me like as a dead stingray in the water. Like it would have been a really funny encounter, but it was like one of those synchronistic things where I felt protected, and having um, Leo there like. He would bark if he saw people, right. like not aggressively, but I had like this. He would like, alert you. Yeah, he was like he was my um, 
not necessarily like my caretaker, but he was he was my um, it's your sitter. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was like holding space for you. Yeah, and he was like, okay, go go die, Dad. I'll I'll be here <laughs> for you. <laughs> like, let you know if anybody's coming. Yeah, and um, and uh, that was just um, that was pretty hilarious. Um, and then it's funny because I had like these series of other realizations. Some of them profound. Some of them as simple as, you know, if you're gonna eat healthy, you should probably make your own hummus. Like I laughed out loud at that because it's so practical and pragmatic mm-hmm. and usually it's just like all is one. Like I'm just going slapped in the face <laughs> with all is one. But it was like, you know, hummus is pretty easy to make. So you should probably go make your own hummus. And so I've been I've been doing that. Um, yeah, thank you for the hummus today. Oh, you're welcome. You brought yeah. me some. Yeah, so it's, that's round two. I'm going to mm-hmm. keep keep working with them. Keep refining the, the recipe. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then um, later I, I, I tried to die as me. Or not like commit suicide, but I, I tried to visualize myself dying as me, because I realized that it was kind of a cop out dying as a stingray, sure. you know. So I don't, and I, but I realized that that was actually important to do that first. And yeah, stepping stones. I didn't. <laughs> I like steps. none of this. I planned. You know, like I hadn't really thought about any of it. Like my intention was to like face my fear of death and face um, you know the other things that I've been working with. Oh, but you said the medicine, or what even deeper, your will or your true self knows how to guide you to get the answers to those questions and even give you answers to questions you had no idea you had before you started. Right. Right. So yeah, you had, that's important for people to know too, going in with an intention sometimes ends up that way where you, you end up being open to whole new realizations Mm -hmm. and it takes you down a whole different rabbit hole, but can be just as beneficial if not more. Right. If you're open to that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I'm working with, and when we get to my intention for the ayahuasca ceremony, I'm working with trying to set intentions that are directed enough for me to have a compass, but open ended up open ended enough for me to kind of take different trails yeah. and, and see what opens up and, and just intuitively follow them. Um, but it was really cool because after that whole stingray muscle incident, the tide started to go back out and the fog just broke and it was just like, crystal clear blue sky and wow. there was just tons of wildlife and it was just it was magnificent it's one of the most beautiful places i've ever been like Talk about a rebirth yeah and it was just like just so i was just surrounded by so much beauty and all of the people that i ran into were just awesome incredible people like most people were doing through hikes and i was like i need to come back here and do a through hike so that's i'm sorry to cut you off but that's amazing that you share that like um random strangers that you're you're encountering on your journey it's like a, a like a reinvigoration of hope for humanity you know, I feel like if I was out on the road, I'd almost be a little wary. Like, like people, I don't know who I'm talking to, number one. Yeah. And I'd be a little wary that people would not treat me um, very well. But your experience right. is totally different, which is an amazing... Oh, yeah. Thank you for sharing that, because I think... I think uh, what we think is possible, like I'm limiting myself by thinking that, that other people are not going to treat me that way. Right. right. But if I just open myself up and be vulnerable, you know, yeah. the possibilities are endless. Your whole yeah. trip was full of that. Yeah, that's like, to me, like the, the crux of, of life is that vulnerability, you know, and I think there's this ego-driven instinct to shield yourself as much as possible, you know, but I, I think that by pushing your edge and becoming more vulnerable you actually open you become stronger Mm. you know it's like it's almost like um you it's like a video game in some sense that like you you do one thing and it's not like you're just done Mm -hmm. like a new level opens up and you have to like be vulnerable on that level and like Mm -hmm. yet to me it's like all right like 
opening up new levels of vulnerability and like new levels of openness and new levels of engagement. Yeah, that's such a hard concept too for, especially for Westerners, right? But it's for Western males too, because mm-hmm. that we're taught the exact opposite growing up. Yeah, right. That be a tough guy. Right, right. It's it's uh, it's a weakness, right? One of my one of my dear friends who I just had on the podcast a little while ago, Simone. She she told me. This quote, and I have it written on my mirror upstairs, it says, in my defenselessness, my salvation lies. Mm, yeah. Because with me, with my Western male um, macho conditioning brain, it's it looks at that statement and it's like, that is a total juxtaposition. It's, it's, a, it's a total opposite of my reality. Right. And so I'm trying to embrace it because it is completely different. You know? Right. And like you said, being able to keep your mind malleable and adaptable is is um, essential for learning for growth for whatever right mm-hmm. so i think embracing things like like when you feel that fear go towards that fear right right when you like when i look at that phrase and i'm like that can't be right go towards that yeah. right when i when i'm Lean in denial it. of something when i'm denying something is real i need to go explore that more yeah right? what you resist persists exactly exactly but to flip it on its own head and play that to your to your advantage right so yeah. whatever you resist is now your cue to to move into that yeah exactly it's like um another interesting thing that happened so like i died as me or Mm -hmm. tried to die as me i did the wim hof method Mm -hmm. and while i was in that i um during the big exhale so the wim hof method you're doing pretty similar to holotropic um Mm -hmm. except when once you've built up the energy you exhale all the way and you hold the exhale out Mm -hmm. as long as you can and when i was doing that i was trying to envision me as a person actually dying, what it would be like for me to actually die. And um, one one thing that was very real and very much trying to distract me is there were flies all over the beach. And they're walking on my face, like walking on my lips, like walking up into my nose mm-hmm. at one point. And I'm trying not to move. You know, I'm like trying to like be as dead as I can be. But that became a portal because by allowing them to walk on me, I envisioned them eating the flesh off my face and like eating my body and just like seeing that. And that was a lot more shaking than dying as a stingray. Cause one thing I realized is some people are going to care. It's not going to, the situation of me dying as Scott is different from me dying as a stingray because there are a lot of people who would care a lot mm-hmm. and that matters. That actually does matter, you know, and, um, in a big way, in a really big way. And that was like, sort of the reinvigorating reinvigorating part or one of the reinvigorating parts is that I'm not going to live forever. I'm really not. And it seems like, you know, I'm still pretty young that like it might be a long time, but it might not be a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, anything could happen any day where it's done. So it's like, uh, and we kind of talked about this earlier today. Like I realized I'd given most of my life at about 60 to 70%. Um, and part of that is a, is a defense of being like, well, I didn't succeed at that, but I didn't give it my all. You mm-hmm. know, like, at least I can, like, I have that. Like, well, if I tried a little bit harder, I probably could have done better. Mm-hmm. And then it was kind of like, shit, that's all you can do. Like, you you can give, like, what would happen if you gave more? That was kind of like the question. Like, if you gave more, you would still fail. Like, that, that seems to me to be true, but I would fail and get better mm-hmm. and always get better. And it would be like... Or get better faster. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and Or, like, even try completely new things. Mm-hmm. You know, like, try, you know, use the malleable mind 
um, that, you know, was melted by the LSD and then was slowly starting to reform. It's like, okay, use that, use that mind, strengthen that mind, know when to set it aside, but give it your all. Just like really give it your all. And we're like, not even all of my all, but you know, 85 to 90%. Like, what would you do if you did that? And like, if you could do that, just give a little bit more, just try a little bit harder. And I, and that, um, that's kind of what led me to starting the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Um, cause one, one realization that I had after all of this is that, you know, from the time I left high school until now, I've been really focusing a lot on yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that, um, can be explained in some sense by the tool album Anima, which is the hybridization mm-hmm. of the two words anima, the inner feminine in Jungian psychology and anima, which is cleansing of the colon, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, what I'd really been working on and growing up as a male in a patriarchal society, like I had a very strong masculine side. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like I was pretty tough, pretty driven. Me um, too. I feel like I've, because of that conditioning, it's it's uh, been an unconscious goal of mine to want to emphasize that as I develop, yeah. right? But yep. that's to a fault, you know, right. definitely. And that's something I'm coming to realize is that, and you, I think you taught me this, uh, or at one of our ceremonies we talked about this, that... In order to become a complete whole human being and live to my full potential, I need to embrace both the masculine and the feminine right. simultaneously because yeah. I'm totally denying 50% of who I am. Right. We are all masculine and feminine, and if I'm totally emphasizing masculine in spite of feminine or right. or to deny it because that's, a, that's taught to us as weakness or something, then right. I am denying half of who I am. Right. Yeah, and um, so I personally had spent about 10 years doing yoga, doing meditation yeah. and doing the Tantra stuff to, um, really heal my inner feminine. And I think I finally did it. Like, or at least to the degree that I felt like I was actually reading a point of stagnation with it. Mm-hmm. My yoga practice wasn't advancing that much. And I, and I, what I realized after all of this is that, okay, I've expanded and healed my feminine side. I need to now expand my masculine side more. And that's where the BJJ comes in at least in part, you know, um, and one thing I've already found, you know, I've been going for like, what, two weeks now or something like that? Well, like, yeah, like three weeks. Two or three weeks. And, um, I'm already finding benefits in my yoga practice. So I'm doing BJJ <laughs> three days a week and yoga four days a week. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's been really intense, you know, and that's, that's me giving 85 to 90%, you know, and I just started work again in the lab. So it's just like, I am as busy as I've ever been plus more. And, and, um, Yet I don't feel overwhelmed, right. like in a sense, because it's like I know I'm doing the right things, yeah. you know. And I'll, one thing I have had to sacrifice, because the, the sacrifice is a necessity, is um, I just have a lot less time to hang out with people. Mm-hmm. Like my social life has taken a toll, but it's not anything that is to me feels like it's it's detrimental in any way. Right. Well, your your priorities have just shifted. Yeah, you shifted away from you know things or you place less emphasis on some of these social um systems Mm -hmm. or uh, interactions that don't maybe might not have the depth that you're seeking yeah they do um in favor of of you know after realizing like hey this is something i want for me i Mm -hmm. want 85 to 90 percent and this is what it takes and therefore i have a commitment and dedication to myself to do this so Mm -hmm. i have to reprioritize other things in my life 
Yeah. And put, you know, um, the social life sometimes on the back burner. Right. And then um, one thing that I'm finding, too, is when I do engage in the social life, I feel like I'm fully present. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm like, I want to talk to you here because I don't see you that much. Right. Like we, we're, like, in the same town, but I never see you. Yeah. And it's, like, and it's like mostly my fault, but I, like, I, I'm, I'm happy with this. This is a choice that I'm making, yeah, but I'm here you. now, so let's talk. Let's do this. Like, I, I'm not going to bullshit with you right now. Like, I'm, I'm totally, totally into it. And, um, yeah, it's been... BJJ has been great so far, and I mean, the on Thursday I got my ass whooped. That felt really good. So I went to MMA first. Mm-hmm. Um, I was tired after that, and then we did BJJ where you were. Um, I was teaching. Yeah, you were teaching, and um, man, that was a really amazing and good workout. Yeah. Like, yeah, I pushed uh, you guys hard that day, I, and <laughs> you know. You may not realize this or not, but having the background that I do in psychology and sport psychology, like I implement that stuff into my instruction mm-hmm. sort of subliminally. So you guys don't even know what I'm what I'm training in you guys. So, you know, I put you guys through some really tough drills that pushed you past where you thought you could function. Yeah. Right? Your physical self wanted to give I remember you doing those bear crawls across <laughs> right? Yeah. Just like one step at a time and you would collapse. Yeah. And I knew in your mind you're like, Oh, I just want to give up. I'm so yeah. tired. But you didn't. And yeah. you pushed through and you did more reps than you ever thought you did. Yeah. I'm not only training your physical self, but I'm training your mental toughness and your resiliency and I'm I'm t- helping you tune that I can't voice down. Right. And tune up, you know, the voice that, that tells you your inner voice that says I can do way more than this. Yeah. It's like, yeah. just keep going. Like, you, yeah. you don't know how far you can go. Just exactly. keep going. Like, mm-hmm. why do you think you know how far you can go? Mm-hmm. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what else are you learning? I mean, you've only been doing it three weeks. And Scott, I think out of anybody who, and I've been doing this thing for a long time, um, close to 15 years. And in my entire time, I've never seen anybody pick it up as fast as you do. Well, thank you. Yeah. I've seen other people pick things up pretty fast, but I think you're your um your mastery of my of mind where it's at right now given that you've um you know you've been through phd programs and that is an ego killer an yeah. ego smasher right and you built up resiliency and all these tools getting through that you know the walkabout all these things i think all these things amalgamate into who you are and makes you a sponge when i see you in there you're just like you're open. You're, yeah. you're 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 asking questions. You know you you want to understand. And we were talking about this today on the mat. You know you want to understand, not just the technique. You want to know the philosophy. Mm-hmm. You want to know why is this working. You want to know the physics behind it. You want to yeah. know the leverage. You want to know you know the real sciencey stuff behind it, which is stuff that you don't even people don't even start questioning until they're in the higher belts. Right. And and that's a sign that you are gonna go really far in this and you're this journey this jujitsu journey is gonna be um really eye-opening and mind-shattering for you if you stick with it yeah Uh, yeah i mean you know it actually feels really good to be the low man on the totem pole Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it feels really good to have that sense of humility of every person here is is at least more advanced than i am Mm -hmm. um and um it it feels really good to just know that everybody can teach me something. Every single person there. How's it feel to get tapped out by girls? <laughs> it feels good. It feels girls who are smaller than you. Yeah, and, and yeah, um, it feels good. You know, and it's like, um, and because it's such a ego crucifi- crucification. You know, yeah. it's like like 
Oh, you think you're tough, Scott? Like, no, this girl's going to put you in an arm bar and it's going to hurt like hell. And you're going to have to tap out, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. cool. Like, I'm down with that. Yeah. Like, those girls are badass. Like, and it's mm-hmm. really cool to be around that powerful side of the feminine, too. Totally. You know, like, um, you know, like, they're like, because, like, you know, I go to yoga. I'm usually one of the only guys there. Mm-hmm. And like, um, and I'm just used to that. Um and it's, it's cool because they go there and it's like they're one of the only girls there. And it's like kind of like they're like a reflection of me, you know, mm-hmm. in that in that sense of like they're the f- females that are engaging like that, that real masculine side. And I, I think that's really powerful of them to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool to, to see that. Kukali talks about, um, I mean, she just started with Jiu-Jitsu Journey maybe two years ago after we started dating. And um, she talks about it all the time, like just the benefits that she's gotten from it and, and feeling more empowered, feeling more confident as a woman, being able to walk around campus at night. Um, and she still has her wits about her and mm-hmm. she still, you know, has in the back of her mind, the potentiality of, of fearful things that could happen. Yeah. But also now sitting back there is also this, this idea that she has many, many, skills. many hundreds of hours of training well beyond anybody on the street who's probably going to attack her. Right. You know, and she knows how to defend herself to the point that she could at least get away. Yeah. Um, and that is so powerful for women, you know. Yeah. I used to teach women self-defense at CU Boulder, and, and that was one of my favorite things to see is just that, that look of confidence in, in the women yeah. when they leave. And then they come back and say, you know, this happened to me, and I was able to defend myself. Or um, I was able to help a friend who was defenseless, and it, it, you know it's great to get that feedback. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really really cool to watch. And like this, I, I I love going like on days that I'm like, all right, BJJ today, you know. And it's like, and it's such a contrast because it's like you go in there and it's like, you know, um, the the vibe is so different from when I go to yoga. I mean, like not even just like, I mean, yoga's dimly lit quiet soft music quiet voices you know and we're like sometimes we get intense motions you know i go to like some really amazing teachers and they push my edge like i'll be as tired after a yoga class as i will after bjj but then that's such a contrast to go in there and hear like go into z's and hear rage against the machine blasting and Mm -hmm. just bright lights and like real high intensity Mm -hmm. and um it's so uh such a good way for me to um feel like i'm expanding both sides balance you know? yeah you're finding balance yeah and it's like pushing both edges of being like how absolutely peaceful can i be yeah and how high intensity can i be and just like do that the same day yeah you know like and i did this last week where i, I went to open mat and then i went to yin yoga afterwards mm-hmm. you know it's like nice. real high intensity like i'm getting kind of beat up getting humbled and then i just go zen out yeah you know? totally. just like totally decompress everything um, so I'm going to leave this, this where it's at right now and, um, listeners, uh, check out the next episode too with Scott. We're going to continue this conversation and I'm going to make it a two part episode. Uh, you have time to stick around for yeah. a little bit. Okay. So, um, please like, and share our podcast. Uh, again, you can go to our mind ops YouTube page where I've um, broken down a number of the concepts that we talk about on this podcast in more detail with some videos. You can go to our website, mindops.com. That's M-I-N-D hyphen O-P-S dot com. As always, please like and share. And your best support is by listening. So um, get this message out there. Help spread it among your communities. And if you'd like, donate to the podcast so we can make it better for you. Okay? All right. So we're back for the second installment with Scott. So Scott, you and I, we're, we're talking about jujitsu and 
and you know you being new to it and all these new realizations about yourself that are coming through jujitsu and mm-hmm. i think that's one of the most appealing and most beautiful and inspiring things for me about jujitsu is um like the techniques are great you know you get confidence you learn how to not only work your own body and manipulate your own body but how to control somebody else's physical self right right um and that's the point of jujitsu is not necessarily to hurt or maim someone but to prevent them from hurting you right to just hold them in a position that they cannot move until Mm -hmm. the police come right that's ideal um so we're talking about masculine versus feminine energies how we're how we're working with both of these in um yoga and jujitsu um so talk a little bit more about about that balance that you're finding between the two yeah and um you know it's really interesting um because one of um, one person who is becoming a healer in in my life um, is um, Hannah from Roska. So shout out to Hannah if you ever listen mm-hmm. to this. Um, she is certainly a, um, a a shaman with food and um, and with just general emotional and spiritual intelligence. Um, and one thing she mentioned to me as I was talking to her about masculine and feminine energies, and one thing that um, is is totally true is that they're really one that you know that my my power on one side comes from the, my power on the other and that balance um can be expanded and contracted um, and, and controlled and since we are a vibration there are periods of expansion um and there are periods of contraction and um one thing that's really interesting is i i feel like right now i'm actually in a period of contraction mm-hmm. so the bus trip was a big expansion you know, for me and, and, and really expanded my mind, expanded my emotional body, really sensitized me to stuff. You know, it's really interesting to to grow tougher and sensitive at the same time because I feel like that's what the the peaceful warrior is, you know, and that's that's what I, I feel like jujitsu is. It's like like you were saying, like you have the power to do all this stuff, but you're not going to maim anybody, you know, and, right. like, and in most martial arts and as far as I know, all martial arts, it's about respecting your opponent. Yeah. And having the ability to engage with that, but also having the the knowledge and the intelligence to not unless you have to. Mm-hmm. And the self-discipline yeah. and control over your own emotions, too. Right. Right. Um, I think in all the martial arts I've, I've done, um, with exception to a couple, most teach that, um, you know, once you learn these skills, uh, you don't get to use them. Yeah. You know, and... You know, a lot of people come into the gym and that's not their mindset. Um, and I, you know, most of the time, thank, thankfully, I don't see them progress very far. Right. You know, um, but it's those who understand and pick up just through the practice that, you know, what we're learning here is lethal. Mm-hmm. It's potentially lethal. Um, and we have a responsibility to carry. And because we know the lethality of you know certain body positions and how we can manipulate joints and things we have a responsibility not to use it right as much as possible right um and that's something that i think just innately developed in me i don't think i got any instruction formally from that maybe from some reading that i did but the more i learned how to fight the less i wanted to fight right you know so today like someone comes up to me and starts a confrontation I have a, a knowledge in my mind that a fight could happen mm-hmm. and that I'm totally prepared for that and that it will 99.9% of the time end up in my favor. Right. But I don't want to fight. Right. I don't want to, not only, I don't want to do harm to somebody, but 
because I know how to. Yeah. But I don't want I don't want to have to live with with that. You know, I don't want to bring that sort of energy out unless it's absolutely necessary. Right. You know, that's a purely a destructive energy to me, and it doesn't feel good. Right. And that's kind of almost a, a, one of the paradoxes, but one of the like reconciliation paradoxes totally. of, of learning that is like you're developing these skills, but it's like having like like to me the most one of the most potent positions to be in is to be a person who knows how to use the sword but keeps it sheathed. Yeah, you know, and being like I have the power to do all this stuff, but I, you know, at the same time it's like learning to use your mind as a tool to engage with others in that way where it's like, I will use my mind to de-escalate this. Yeah, your way. mind and your voice. Yeah. Um, and and so I think that's that's one of the beautiful things about learning a, a martial art is just knowing that you have that and but only engaging with it in the circumstances of someone who is at your level. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and one, one thing that I've really liked so far or that's been interesting to me is, is that I am one of the smaller guys in there, you know? Um, um, but it feels, it's cool. Cause like some of the times, well, I mean, since I have a background in wrestling, um, there have been times where, um, being with people that are relatively new too, like that's someone's bigger and stronger than me, but I can use their weight against them. If my mind's in the right spot, if I, if I'm thinking about where they're going and I keep pushing them, I keep pushing them, keep pushing them. And then they push back hard enough then I can use their weight against them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of, um, one of the you had mentioned when I first started that it was um, very cranial, you know. It's like it's like chess with your body, yeah. and that's the way it feels, you know. And um, there, most of the time when I've um, gotten a submission, it's been slow. Like I haven't surprised anyone with anything, sure. and and I've been surprised a lot. Um, but I and even I feel like when I've been submitted, it's mostly been something that's slow. And sometimes I can feel it coming in, and I just don't have the knowledge yet to be able to you know climb out of that solve that problem yeah to solve that be like oh you are getting my head stuck in here and i'm like oh i don't like that like it just doesn't feel right so your mind is good yeah so that's that's normal for beginners to get your mind stuck in the emotional response right the emotional response to getting your face cranked one way is like oh man this sucks yeah and we get stuck in that thought Right. right rather than staying task focused and yeah, this sucks, but move on. Yeah. What do I need to do to solve this problem that's in front of me and get my head out of here? Right. That's what you're learning is to slow yourself down. Which is so much of a analogy to getting a PhD, too. Good. <laughs> you know? Well, I, I'm glad because like, I'm hoping to pursue one myself. So I'm hoping these jujitsu skills will help me get through a program. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's interesting being back in the labs, too, because, um, you know... I had this big life-changing experience, you know, where I went on the bus. I really um, have dealt with all of, all of not to co- not to completion, but I've really faced like the darkest parts of myself in the last few years as much as I can. Um, and I'm on this like low stress pathway right now, and I'm like very chill. I mean, on the bus, I never had places to go, but then I get back, and it's just this like high intensity tension. Like I just feel it. Like, I come into the the building is like, ooh, like people are stressed out here, you know, and mm. it's like it's because every like everybody has everybody else's head in a headlock to some degree, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. like, um, and it's not. I mean, I exaggerate a little bit. I, I I think professors, and I think at CSU it's it's a lot better than at other schools, but I I feel that there is an inferiority complex amongst many graduate students. Um, I think academia is full of people who are insecure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I and I, that's a that's a venue for them to try and prove 
uh, their worthiness. Right, and uh, it's a it's and it's an ego thing, you know, and it's Absolutely. like. And it's like, I, you know, and I, I can't, and I, I have been there before, you know, and, and like being like totally honest with myself. Like I've been in situations where I've probably been a little bit harsher with people than I needed to be simply because I was also insecure. You know, at this point I'm, I'm not insecure about it and I want to help people and I want people to learn and I do like teaching. And um, so it's, it's fun to me to be back and um, to, to talk with and work with younger students who by other graduate students are often being a little bit, you know, abused. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's been, um, it's been a good experience coming back. And, um, I, I, I left in need of air, you know, um, I needed, um, some, some change. I needed some, some new breath, a new perspective. And then by the end I was craving grounding, Mm -hmm. you know, I was like, I haven't been productive in months. I've only been having fun, but it was almost, um, I don't want to say it was like existential dread, but I felt um, dissatisfied um, from just traveling a bunch. Like dissatisfied with, with yourself? Like with, yeah. with having not spent the time more productively? Um, with I think it was productive for Oh, sure. no, it was very productive. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and it wasn't, it, it was actually more of like, and it was some. It was another part where it, I could see what my mind was doing, and what my mind wanted me to do was to refocus my goals, because in a lot of ways on the bus trip I had accomplished my goals. I focused, like I mentioned earlier, I focused on process instead of product. Mm-hmm. I focused on myself. I focused on on, on healing myself and, and and practicing healing myself and mm-hmm. like and and changing my mind in the ways that I can. But then it was like, okay, well, like. Why did you go get a PhD in the first place? Why were you doing that? What was your life goal? What was the intention for all that? And it's like, oh, yeah, to make renewable energy happen as quickly as possible. Like, I need to get back to work because mm-hmm. I feel like that is actually my calling. And, um, and in a lot of ways, I've, like, questioned that a lot in the last couple of years and especially, like... I'm sure you felt pretty burned out on it, too, yeah. after, after a PhD program, too. So you needed some distance from it for a little while. And right. then... That distance provides reinvigoration. Yeah, and and to know that no matter what job I do next, I don't have to ever write a dissertation again. <laughs> it's just like sweet. Like it's never gonna be this daunting, huge thing. Like I can always cut it into smaller incremental pieces, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and I can go just work. Like mm-hmm. I feel like from here on, I can just work and not have this huge goal in the end. But I don't know if I could do academia. I, I'm, I'm thinking I probably would have a hard time in academia simply because I don't want to work more than 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be a professional panhandler. You what know? do you mean by that? Uh, writing grants. Um, oh, yeah. Feels Pandering like to people. <laughs> yeah. Um, feels like, you know, and, I, and I've, done, I've done that, and um, it wasn't terrible by any means. But it's like um, I, I want to – and, I mean, that's kind of the – the double-edged sword is I want to, I do want to mentor. I want to mentor younger students. I want to mentor young scientists. I want to work with, um, you know, up and coming people, but shit, I don't think that my entire life should be devoted to just doing chemistry all the time. Yeah. I think there's a lot more I could do, um, if I keep myself open. And, and so it's like, you know, I'm, I'm pursuing the avenues that are presenting themselves to me. But I'm also not committing to anything yet. And mm-hmm. I'm fortunately in a place to where I don't have to commit for... I, re- I should make a commitment within the next six months. But yeah. right now it's like, okay, let's see what happens. You're still grounding. Yeah. Yeah, still finding that foundation, that base. Yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> so in the if hopefully if if our listeners are listening, uh, you might not get this unless you listen to the first podcast, um, or not the first ever podcast with Scott, but the first part of this two part podcast. So um, you were talking before about realizing potential and on this bus trip realizing that you had only been giving 70% but that you wanted to give 85 to 90% of your potential right so we were talking about this earlier today on on at open mat and then on my drive home um I was contemplating it even more as I often do in my car and the opposite the opposing thought Mm -hmm. uh the devil's advocate thought just popped in my head just because it's an interesting thought and I, I wanted to explore it too so the opposite of potential for me in this sense being limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, right now it hit home for me because I am physically limited to what I can do. I have two sprained knees, so I can't roll live in jujitsu and that's, um, it's, it's killing me. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm there on the mat almost every day and that itch is just there. And I know that I need to listen to my doctor's advice and listen if I want to continue to do this until I'm 80, I need mm-hmm. to not rush it and let my knees yeah. heal and take it easy. Um, so I know what my potential could be, mm-hmm. but I'm limited and I'm like, I'm coming up against this barrier. This barrier is saying, no, you can't, we're not going to let you explore your potential in this area right now. Right. So maybe I'm, I'm trying to figure out what are these limitations trying to teach me? You know, right. it's a limitation. Um, being imposed on me because I need to focus on something else with mm-hmm. more intensity right now, um, which I've, I've taken that message and I'm trying to focus more on my jujitsu teaching um, and my studying, like my video review and um, uh, visualization type stuff and flexibility and overall strength. And so what is what are these limitations trying to teach us, right? Right. And then in the first part of this podcast, you, during your... Um, your experience in the water, right? As mm-hmm. the uh, the manta ray, the mm-hmm. dead manta ray. You were talking about um, how if you died, it didn't really matter because, I mean, your soul moves on. The manta yeah. ray's soul goes somewhere else. The energy is not, you know, it's dispersed somewhere else, and the body just goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, what popped in my head then was, you know, that this physical form that we inhabit, this human body, this machine, this bio machine that we're, we're inhabiting, is its own limitation yeah. you know it it only ha- it has a finite potential it does and i don't think we know as human beings what that potential that finite physical potential is yet i right. think that's largely untapped um but i do believe that it does have a finite potential mm-hmm. and in order to really at least on the individual lifetime it right does. right right and in order to achieve um, our greatest potential right we have to transcend that body we have to let go of that mm-hmm. body eventually uh, let go of that limitation in order to fully reach our potential but again in this case i feel like that limitation is there for a reason it's there to to try and teach us something um it's 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 there as another tool, a tool to explore this 3D space. Right. To, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because um, um, one thing that um, one of my favorite um, podcasters, Jordan Peterson, always talks about is, um, and I think it's a, it's a Jew, Jewish proverb, and it's, if God is um, omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, what does it lack? And the answer is limitation. Say it again. If if God is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, so all powerful. Well, what's all, missing? 
Yeah. Yeah. What is it? What is it lacking? Limitation. Limitation. And so, in order to experience that piece of itself that it doesn't have, maybe it needs it to. It has to embody it, a physical form. Yeah. Huh. And it's like, uh, or the Bill Hooks quote, you know, like, today, a young man on acid realized that all matter is merely energy condensed. You know, we're all one consciousness experiencing itself subjectively. You know, that's the way it feels to me. Um, and I, I don't know if that's the way it actually is because. We, why should I know something like that? How should I be able to know something like that? And in a, in a way, by trying to know something like that, I'm, I'm limiting the way that mm -hmm. it might actually be and the way that my mind actually perceive it. But it feels to me like that, that um, our limitations that we have are there by necessity. Yeah. Um, and it's like having rules to a game or having frets on a guitar. You know, it's like it's, things are defined by as much as what, by what they are as by as... Uh, <laughs> Things are defined as much by what they are not as much as they are by what they are. Exactly. You know, yeah. um, and it's like by by picking what notes you don't want to put in a song or a chord, you define it. Yeah. You know, and um, the, our limitations change throughout our life. You know, um, one of my professors that I visited um, in Flagstaff, I visited with a bunch of my old professors. One one we were talking because he wanted to do a similar thing. He asked me like about the bus and he wanted to get an RV and travel, and we were both joking how. I have the youth, but he has the money, mm -hmm. you know, because I, I, I had big temperature swings in the bus. Like one day it was as low as 37 when I woke up near Mammoth, California. So I was in my ski thermals when I woke mm -hmm. up, went to sleep. And by the end of the day, I was driving, it was 106 on the inside of the bus. Oh, man. So it was like, because there's no AC, there's no heater. Um, and, and so our, our limitations change, but then that's part of the adaption process. And that's part of the adaption. And I think a lot of it's mental, too. And I think a lot of it's in our mind. And one thing that I, I'm beginning to understand is that the human mind is probably the what, single most powerful thing that I know of yep. in, in the universe. because And the least explored. Oh, probably. yeah. And it's like because there are times when I'm in state where my mind shows me like – quantum duality yeah. you know and it showed me that atoms aren't really atoms and the way that we like to think about them it's really it really is condensed energy and in a crystal lattice there are waves and 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 even though you know one isotope is over here and the other isotopes over here you get two different ones that are distinct and by chemical methods we can separate those sometimes but like they're they're truly connected in a way that we don't really fundamentally understand. Mm -hmm. um, and really what it comes down to is, is there's a, a permeating energy flow and, and people are, like to say naively that, oh, matter is 99% empty space and then the rest of it's just like... Sure, but that empty space is all energy. Yeah, and from well, and if you do the, the calculations of the electron wave, well, the electron wave extends to infinity. Mm -hmm. The electron is in all of those spaces. Like the electron really permeates all of them, and the places that it's not, the nodes where the electron's actually not, those are infinitesimally small. You know, and, and, and to me, and it's like the there's a structure to the vacuum. Like we we treat it as if there's emptiness there, but it, to me, it feels like there's there's something there. There's like the the quantum froth of reality. Mm -hmm. That's that's. That's coming the binding up. force. Yeah, and it's all coming up and out, um, and um, by um, defining the the limitations of our body and our mind, we are created in that way. Mm -hmm. um, and I, th yeah, that that makes me think right away that we can create a whole new self by changing the limitations, just changing the construct of the game. Changing yeah. the rules of the game. Yeah. So we've been taught our whole lives, 
you know, these certain rules, you know, or maybe even, physical laws or like you, you can't levitate or whatever. That's just conditioned, right? That maybe we can do that if we, if we understood that we can do that. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. Um, and I mean, even to me, it, it almost feels like, well, all music is written with basically within the same scales, you know, like mm-hmm. there's a few different like types of scales out there, but I mean, it's like really most of the time it comes down to the same 12 notes. You can tune it slightly differently, but like, but then the, the infinity that within that, you know, like there, to me, there's like, you can experience infinity within a finite set. It's almost like the surface of a sphere is infinite. You can walk on that and never find the end, yeah. but it's still bound. Um, and I think that's, that's the way we are as humans. Mm-hmm. Like we are like infinitely deep, but we're bounded. Mm-hmm. And, um, to me, I think, um, w- the most powerful discoveries that we've really had in the last few hundred years, and not even that psychedelics really should be a discovery because they've been known for thousands of years, but in, in, in terms of Western science, mm-hmm. I mean, it really is quantum mechanics, relativity and psychedelics. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think th- that now that we're having, I think we're entering a psychedelic renaissance, I'm a lot less of a um, activist in that area than I once was because I think it's going to happen no matter what. Right. Like, and and I I want to support people in that in ways that I can, but I think, you know, and that's one of the reasons why we kept my last name um, mm-hmm. confidential. And anyone who listens to this, who knows me, knows it's me, and yeah. I don't care. I'll <laughs> engage anyone. I just don't want my name Googleable sure. on that, you know. Um, but it's like I think that we're going to discover that our minds are far because our minds manifested the nuclear weapons yeah they've manifested all of this technology they didn't come out of nothing it was yeah. our intelligence and our minds and our our, our 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 ability to visualize that created this created the 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 world as we know it whether it's good or bad you mm-hmm. know whether you know argue that social media is good or bad or or phones or cars or any of those whether it's good or bad i mean when it are, is our minds that created it mm-hmm. um and i and and really you know in conjunction with the rules of reality i think that's that's one of the cool things is that it maybe if we are able to levitate at some point it's going to be commensurate with the rules of reality like i don't think we're going to break the rules but i think we're going to learn how to use the rules to our advantage mm-hmm. i think that that's going to be and and maybe I mean I don't know who knows. So you think those rules of reality are those limitations that are there out of necessity? Yeah, it's like having the squares on a chessboard. You know, if you just totally dissolve that, there would be no chess. Right. But you have those squares, and it's defined and it's limited. Sure. But it defines it, and mm-hmm. it's a necessity. So I'm I'm trying to you know transpose this concept onto like uh, just the idea of of the expanding universe, right? Mm-hmm. That we know. Right, so um, we don't know what's out beyond the furthest thing, yeah. the furthest particle, right? Um, but according to this, you know, there's got to be some com- confine to that. There's got to be some limitation to mm-hmm. to reality, to the universe, to the ever expansion. You know, all these things. Um, but I can't seem to wrap my head around what that what that limitation would be. Nor do I think that, you know, we may even, we don't even have that answer probably. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm not up to date or really like knowledgeable enough to make speculations Mm -hmm. on, on, on any of that, really at least any professional degree. What it feels like to me, and this is more of an intuition, is that we're, we're actually more of on the surface of a Taurus. And as far as I can tell, we're very early on the surface of a Taurus. What do you mean? Uh, you know, a torus is like a donut shape. 
and like oh, yeah, it's yeah. like an energetic field and there's mm -hmm. a singularity in the middle mm -hmm. and all things spring out from that yeah and i think we're on some n-dimensional torus um so n being some undefined d dimension of space and time uh torus and and it looks like we're everything's blowing out and because where we are on it we are blowing right. out um but it actually wraps back around in into itself yeah and i think that i think the condition for that it will be universal love mm. i think that will be when conscious beings learn uh, adapt with technology um to such a high degree and populate the, all of the universe with uh, with intelligence and love that i think that the natural conclusion to all of that will be to use gravitational unconditional love to bring everything back together into a singularity which also annihilates itself sure i think it's a self-annihilating process in the yeah end. absolutely and i've seen that as well on some of my journeys like being shown that that uh, you know this this ultimate consciousness that we all came from this one uh expanded itself out because it wanted to you know experience an infinitude of different possibilities and then when it was done with all that it would come back into itself uh -huh. and just be okay with that yeah just it's a like, vibration okay. like i did that yeah. um but that's interesting you know you mentioned that because that's how a lot of our you know science seems to be like whatever current state or era we're in their belief systems are based off of the common framework of knowledge right mm -hmm. so our common framework says we're expanding but you know in a couple million years or whatever we may be not we may be not expanding and moving down around that yeah. torus in a different way and so our understanding will shift yeah. and change and yeah i think that's really interesting because that might be the limitation is that it must end right everything that comes into existence must eventually cease yeah right that's a basic buddhist concept too um just like you know i tell that to my clients too just because you're feeling depressed now it's it's because it is it has been created it also has an ending mm -hmm. you know that's the limitation so so maybe the limitation to our physical universe is the conclusion like you said and back into this oneness which you said is love universal love and then who knows what's after that yeah i mean to me the way it feels like it's just a breath of yeah exactly like it, an out breath and an in breath yeah out and, breath and in breath and it's like constantly iterating itself and mm -hmm. and you know this is all what i like to call psychedelic speculation but sure. it, it feels right and know? it feels real yeah, yeah. And, um, you know and it, and it can't be denied that multiple people have similar visions or similar constructs you know right. uh, what you're describing i've literally seen in in a holotropic breathwork session mm -hmm. you know um the expansion and the contraction of the universe was mirrored with my breathwork right and i got to see that from a third person you know observer yeah. perspective and right. i came back like we have no scientific knowledge that say that says that real but down in my dna i felt like i was just shown uh, what's happening you yeah know, the, well it's a different it's a different tool set than the rational mind totally and that's like I, I use this analogy the other night that like the rational mind is like a hammer and you can use it for a lot of good things but if you're trying to eat like a bowl of beans or something like that it's not a great tool, you're a great gonna, tool. you need to find a different tool mm -hmm. and sometimes that tool is like your intuitive understanding mm -hmm. that comes in forward and in, 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 in is is pre prevented mm -hmm. or presented in visions so that's some of the uh you know the, the limitations of academia and science too is that i feel like a lot of people who are in academia and science feel that that's the end all mm -hmm. tool that this tool that they have 
invested and poured so much of their life and effort and time into it's got to be the answer to everything even if we don't have the answer now science will find it yeah. right but i disagree i, I feel dis- like it's, it's almost unscientific to think that about science totally it's like your primary hypothesis is that science is the end-all be-all but naturally the alternative hypothesis is that there's something else that science and the rational mind can't get. Yep. You know, so it's like if you use science to investigate science, you should come to the conclusion that it's not going to work exactly. always. Exactly. Exactly. So it's it's really funny to to engage with other scientists who haven't taken that next step. And in right. academia too. You right. see the same the same mental trap that people find them, you know, they fall into and then they embody that. Right. So what do we yeah, when we embody that, what are we teaching? What are we teaching others? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's 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 self perpetuating, and um, and and you know, and I think that's one of those things where it it's kind of okay um, to to live in that. Um, you know, I certainly lived in that for a while, but because in the end, I'll die anyway, right? Yeah. But it it's gonna be it's gonna be your life will be a lot more peaceful and engaging and more fun if you set that aside once in a while. Yeah, you totally. know, you set that mind aside or that rational mind, you know, because I. Mind is a broad term, I, I think, and um, to me, there are, I've been in states where I've been unplugged from my mind, and I've, I've, and you know, I'm getting to the point now, and it's it's interesting because I'm using medicine less and less, psychedelic medicines less and less, because, well, a I've been doing a lot of yoga and meditation, and I think the psychedelics are really good at opening us to the possibility and and giving us insight into it, um, but <clears throat> I always would come back down, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, go to go to a festival or go to a, a session and by the time you know on like a Saturday and by the time Tuesday rolls around I'm back back to my normal self sure. you know um, but what by the way do you explore um, psychedelic mind states um, while you're doing yoga yes like with that intention like the combination of the two occasionally yeah okay because um, I'm not a, much of a yoga practitioner I want to start picking it up because I just found this sweet program online called yoga for BJJ oh yeah, yeah so like I was saying to you on the mats like once you get into this jujitsu lifestyle other things in your life start to shift in order to help facilitate the passion of jujitsu so my nutrition change you know you were talking about sleep getting better so yoga is one mm-hmm. of those things I want to integrate in not because I'm that interested in yoga, mm-hmm. but because it's going to help my jujitsu. Yeah. But it's also going to help my spiritual travels and, and um, you know, breath work and all that yeah. too. So um, it's interesting because I do like to couple uh, meditation with um, medicine work also. Right. I find that, that the combination of, of different methodologies is extremely important and, again, opens up new channels. Right. New channels to deeper information. Yeah, because the way it feels to me is like um, the different uh, medicines, it's like a lock and key except for they're all opening pathways to the inner self. and But some are taking you through different doorways. Mm-hmm. You know, you take um, MDMA or MDA and it's like a pathway into that just like center of your body love. Yeah, the, like, heart, uh, the heart chakra, and the like compassion. Energetic love. Yes. You know, and... Um, to me, LSD is like very much into the mind. Yeah, like, that takes me like, to the sixth or seventh chakra. Yeah. Whereas and, like ayahuasca takes me down to my guttural um, root chakras, my, right. you know, um, the earth born ones. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, totally. I, lo- I love that you bring that up. Different medicines for different um, different gateways. Right. Different, you know, and and that's one thing too with, with being able to um, tailor 
which medicine you want to work with based on, you know, maybe which chakra is most being blocked in your life. Right. You know, maybe this medicine was better for this type of energy, you know, and, right. and working with it that way too. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that kind of brings us to, um, yeah, so you're going to go do ayahuasca. Uh, ayahuasca <laughs> next week. Yeah. So I've never done ayahuasca. Um, never. Never. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've done DM for a treat. I've done DMT a few times. I've done totally different. <laughs> five meo DMT, and yeah, I'm um, working with two um, two practitioners, and um, I have one friend coming with, um, and um, I'm I'm very excited. I'm I'm getting to the the um, nervous phase, which I think is good. It's out of respect for the medicine and respect Absolutely. for the space. Uh, but my intention for this. Um, it is less death oriented, which is good because I'm moving out of the death phase, even though I think I'm going to continue to go back to that in, in a lot of ways. I think that's that's one thing that will never leave me. Um, but what I'm focusing on now is going to be clearing out my old expectations of myself and old emotions, like old emotions with respect to where I thought my life might be going, where it might end up um, and emotions around family friends romantic relationships just like really just trim them out and just like get rid of the ones that aren't serving me and then um like bolster or reinforce my self-esteem from a place of humility and love because mm. um, one thing i found while i was on the bus like i can deal with uncertainty to a certain degree and the only thing that was limiting me from really just totally embracing and going into it and like just totally letting go of everything is that I needed a more firm vessel and and that is my self-esteem mm -hmm. really and like um, you, you know and I think that's something that everybody battles with to some degree is like having a stronger self-esteem sure. and and there's a there really is a fuzzy line from going from self-esteem to being cocky you know arrogance, or arrogant yeah you know and, and i really think um the fundamental is where they're rooted you know and i think arrogance is self-esteem rooted in insecurity absolutely um but i think um confidence and strong self-esteem is rooted in humility and love um and to me that and that's kind of what i'm trying to twofold do with the ayahuasca is to clear out the old stuff which may be burdening me to some yeah, degree and like limiting we were talking about limitations yeah and limiting thoughts limiting emotions all from the past that no longer serve you yep just kind of shedding those layers away yep and peel, peeling back the the layers it's weird because i've been having a lot of dreams where i've been peeling back my humanity hmm. where like i keep having these dreams where something petty happens like i had a dream that I, it was my birthday and I ordered some food, and everybody got food before me, and I got food last, and it was like this cold, gross pizza. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, in my dream, I was like getting upset about it, and then just like I just felt this like sensation of just like rippling open, and just being like, how petty is that to care about that? Um, which is weird to happen in a dream, but I've I've been having other dreams like that where, I, and I think that's like part of me like emotionally. Preparing myself. Mental prep. Yeah, I've just, you know, and I've been, um, I've been, I've stayed away from all mind-altering substances since Thanksgiving, like, in preparation for this, and, like, um, I've been really, I've been following their, the, um, the fast that they've proposed, mm -hmm. so, uh, like, um, really getting into that as, as much as I can and just, you know, preparing myself as energetically as possible for this, um, and, and, and for that purging. I think we, um, we talked before, and I always had this intuition when i was going through great changes in my life that i was supposed to 
to trim something and I would always embody it because I don't think I understood it like or at least my psychology understood it so I'd always get like a, a haircut like I'd always like mm. get a mohawk mm-hmm. or like um, I've done that too and big changes I'd shave my head yeah to, like a fresh start yeah mm-hmm. and uh, and I was I was getting ready to do that and I was like really on the fence about it and I was it was curious because and it was another one of those parts where I, I started to observe my mind and by observing my mind I actually realized the deeper root of that I realized that like the urge to like shave my head or like you know like grow a beard or anything like that to like change my physical appearance was actually like my spirit trying to do a and actually in in particular shaving the head is like it wanted to do a psychological trim yeah and then it was like time for me to prune myself but pruning myself physically made me feel on some level that i accomplished that when i really kind of missed the point of it right um and so i i didn't do anything drastic well i did grow a beard but that was mostly out of laziness (laughs) um but like i did i tried not to make any drastic changes in my life or my physical appearance and tried to precisely trim the things inside me and that's kind of where i'm at still Mm -hmm. of like trying to precisely make the cuts because i think i am going to cut my hair pretty soon mostly because of bjj um because it's not an advantage no No, but um you know for our listeners i have long hair too if i take my top knot down it's you know down to my shoulders um but for me um i love warrior culture Mm-hmm. And so I've studied a lot of different warrior cultures and philosophy, and it, uh, Japanese is one of my favorites. So um, part of the Japanese warrior culture, um, they have top knots. Um, but a lot of people don't know that the top knot in Japan is much more than just a hairstyle. It actually has spiritual significance um, to the point that, you know, the longer you would grow your hair out would, would almost like... A, show in your social status how far along your spiritual path you've gone and if you dishonor your family or dishonor your emperor one of the common things they do is come and cut your hair off at the top knot right to show that you know you have to start over on your on this spiritual path so for me you know um you know a lot of people give me shit for having a man bun or whatever but it's not a fashion thing for me It's it's a spiritual thing for me and for you too it sounds the same so um, you know, this trimming of, you know, physical things, your hair, your beard, things like that was supposed to represent or sim- sim- symbolize, um, a fresh beginning or a new start right. or a fresh cut. Um, but like you said, like if you would have done that, you would have missed a deeper point and it was almost like taking the easy route to get there. Yeah. But it wouldn't have let you get there because you, you because were taking trimming the, the wrong route. thing. Exactly. You were taking, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and it's I think I you know that that really kind of brings us back to conversations with the mind because it was it did seem like it was a conversation because like yeah, the, back and forth yeah back and, and forth. I just like I and like a lot of ways I felt like I was just ended up watching that and like through uh, just observing that that's where I like realized like hey there are like places in my life that I could trim things you know I could I could make changes you know and like I treat that as as the trimming you know and and I think this. And it, the last time I used medicine was was uh, LSD in Lost Coast, and that was a couple months ago now. So it's like mm-hmm. I'm coming up on this ayahuasca ceremony, and I'm like, okay, like, because I came back here, and being in Fort Collins is like being in a parallel universe in a lot of ways. Like it looks the same, but it feels different. Like mm-hmm. it feels very different. Um, and really, because you're different. Because I am different, yeah. Um, and it feels like um, I'm at the right place for now, but I also feel like this is my last stint in this town that like I'm gonna like or at least for now mm-hmm. that like I'm being called to other places and and that I'm gonna follow through with all that and um 
it's it's pretty amazing to to see the outcomes of of how much my life how much better i already feel just from making like these small changes mm-hmm. of just like always so what are these small changes that you're talking about the small intentional trimmings that you're doing it's almost yeah. like i'm envisioning like um intentional trimming versus non-intentional trimming like right now you're like trimming the bonsai that is you right Right. versus you know just going and cutting down a christmas tree right you know and just like slicing and dicing with no intention but right now you're you're very meticulously trimming and pruning and and forming who you are again yeah um so i mean one of them is like cook for myself every day and eat as healthy as i possibly can regardless of where what where my situation is and that really means planning ahead mm-hmm. like making a bunch of hummus before the week mm-hmm. starts um putting chicken in the crock pot before you go do a podcast you know meal prep yeah meal and, prep <laughs> it and, starts to shift I'm yeah telling you jujitsu and yoga and all these things are coming together for you yeah and like that and like um just knowing that i have way too many things to do to ever be bored and mm. if i ever find myself getting bored just like that's your fault then. Yeah. And it's like, like, take accountability for your boredom. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, like I would like, you know, like in the past I'd be like heating up food at the microwave, you know, and just be like, have those two minutes of boredom and pull out my phone and just look at some stupid news story or something like that. And I'd just be like, no, I'm going to use these two, mo- two minutes to like do a mindfulness meditation, check in with myself. I have a timer going right there mm-hmm. and I have a reward at the end of it. Look at that. I'm going to have delicious food when I'm done. Mm-hmm. And just like. I mean, it's using that potential, that extra 15% you were talking about. Yeah. And it's like, in, in just like squeezing those extra moments out of the day. And I mean, um, or even, you know, another one is, is um, like just telling people no. Like I've been known as yes man for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've gotten to the point of, I, and I think in a healthy way, telling people no. Like, um, you know, getting invited to go do stuff on a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was time for me to rest, mm-hmm. and um, and that's I, and I was tempted. Like I did want to go out. I did mm-hmm. want to see my friends. Uh, I did want to go um, see the people that that were talking to me, and, and I I do enjoy time with them. But it's like it is a sacrifice and a little bit of like that's that's part of me trimming my psyche of just being like, hey, you know, if you're gonna like push your limits, like you have to know your limitations. And exactly. I I know that like this week would be exhausting. If I went out last night, even if it was just for a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. even if it was just for like a couple hours, it's like, well, but then I get like excited, you know, I talk to people, I probably would have biked there. So I would bike back home, you know, and like, and then that would have turned into me going to bed at like midnight or one rather than at like eight thirty, Cause I went to bed at like eight thirty last night. Wow. I was, I was, I was ready Pre- preparing for today. Well, you, you had a lot of matches today. Yeah, and well, and then and also I've been one thing that was interesting about the bus trip is I got really good about going to sleep early. Not like not even good about it. It was just it would get dark and it'd be cold, and I'd be in the wilderness and I have nothing to do, so I just go to bed. Mm-hmm. It'd be like I could try to play guitar right now, but my hands are too cold. Mm-hmm. And like I could leave the lights on and read, but I'm just gonna be wasting my power, so I'm just gonna go to sleep right it's now. It's crazy how a little electricity <laughs> um, changes an entire civilization's sleep cycles. Yeah. Because it was like the other thing that happened early in the trip that really blew me away was, well, my phone would die usually because it was too cold in the bus. So it would be like I'd go to bed early my phone would die so I would just sleep late. And I, I would do that. And there were days where I got like three days in a row I'd get like 10 or 11 hours of sleep. 
which like I would think is like oversleep here might be bad for me, but I, I realized that I was probably chronically sleep deprived for years. Years, yeah, probably years. Probably at least since high school, probably before that. Um, and I and then after that I went and went back to naturally sleeping about eight hours a night. Mm-hmm. But I just felt so much better, mm-hmm. and my my cognitive abilities were quicker, and I, I just I felt sharper mm-hmm. on all levels, and I like I've dr- drank less caffeine, um, and one thing that I just realized was like you know like if I'm gonna run at this high level, I just need to once in a while sleep like ten hours. Yeah, there was a great um, bit of research that was presented at a sports psych conference I went to a few years ago, <clears throat> and it was done with. Um, uh, United States Special Forces military because they their their level of arousal and operation their operational tempo is so high sometimes they'll be out on a mission for seven days zero sleep or maybe one to two hours a night high intensity um, adrenaline pumping you know malnourishment all these things uh, you know they're given you know these uh, uh, little cocktail shots that are full of who knows what drugs, yeah. you know, to keep them going, you yeah. know, amphetamines, all sorts of things. Um, but this study was done with those individuals who are so sleep deprived and they were noticed that when they come back, they would crash for like two, three days yeah. after a long mission like that. And it totally changed the way we think about sleep in that, um, it's sort of like you have a bank, right? Mm-hmm. And if you take out too many deposits, uh, or too many withdrawals by staying up and staying up and burning the candle at both ends, your bank account is going to be depleted and then maybe even go into the red, into yeah. debt, right? But what this study showed is that that's okay as long as you have these periods of long replenishment where you can replenish right. that bank account and get it back up to an operational level. And they found that these guys operate at high levels as long as they get that two to three days of crashing and relaxing, yeah. then they're back up to operating, you know, um, better than most of us. Right. You know, and so I thought that was really fascinating. That yeah, that's good. I hadn't thought about sleep that way. I thought that it was all based on this 24-hour cycle, that if we just miss our sleep that night, yeah. we can't make it up, right? But yeah. now this new science is showing that we kind of can make it up. Yeah. And that we can use that as a tool, too. And if we listen to that intuition and listen to those limitations telling us, hey, you need to take a break. Yeah. Or else you won't be able to be um, there and present to reach that right. potential. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what you realized last night when those people. Yeah. Yeah. It's like out. I was like one of those things where like I, I kind of already knew coming back that it was it was going to be different. This mm-hmm. is going to be a whole different drastically different than all my other years here because they slowly changed. But I knew coming back here was just going to be like totally different. Like I was going to get back and it was going to be like um, – and it has been and, and in a good way too. Um, but um, knowing – and actually that's almost a, a part of the um, of the giving it your all is, is, is the knowing when to drop what I thought I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes when I – like I've – and, you know, you asked me last week if I wanted to do this t- today, and I was like, I can't commit to that yet. Right. You know, and it's mm-hmm. like, uh, like normally in the past, like I could commit to things like way in advance, but I was like, I got to like know that I'm like ready and available for that because like I, and I, cause I don't ever want to bail out of something. Right. So, and to me, like the, the more cautious route and really like being all there is sometimes like telling people when I don't know if I can be there. Right. And feeling it out in the moment too. So like last night, if you would have gotten home and your friends invite you and you know, like, okay, 
yeah, I have this goal. I want to get to bed early so that I'm fresh and I can be my best on the mat tomorrow. Um, but in this moment right now, what I really need for my soul to feel good is I need human contact. Then it's okay to be open and fluid and make that decision like, hey, this is the best thing for me in the moment, even though it might not be the best thing for me long term. Yeah. For me right now, I'm feeling into this and I need this more. I need to go out and see my friends more in this moment than I need to get to bed early. Right. right? And it's knowing that. And, and part of that is knowing yourself and yeah. being able to tune into, you know, it's almost like that, the gut brain. The mm-hmm. gut brain doesn't lie to you, and it'll tell you what you need. Yeah. The head brain, the mind, is just a tool. Right. Uh, you know, you were saying in the first half, we are not our mind, but we think we are. And so if we listen too much to this this brain and this mind, then we can sometimes find ourselves lost or burned out or doing way too much and overwhelmed, and we wonder how we got there. Yeah. You know, rather than listen to your gut and just doing what you feel is in your best interest for your true vulnerable self in this moment right yeah and um it, it is it's like kind of that series of expansions and contractions too. Totally. you know like every night is a contraction and every day is a hero's journey mm-hmm. you know it's concentric circles of hero's journeys and um to me one of the things is like being grateful for both you know like like i've been really like I, like i said I, I did this global expansion now i'm in like a global contraction for myself um and but in that it's like well it's like it's winter too right so like uh we're in a state of i don't need to be ex- spending this bunch of energy you know to to collect sunlight right now like the plants aren't all doing that and like i feel like that's the way it is with my life right now too that it's just like i don't need to be a little social butterfly right now you know like mm-hmm. there's not um a whole lot for me in that right now mm-hmm. um and so it's like following that contraction and and knowing intuitively that it's like okay like you know and actually it's weird because in a lot of ways being in the bus was a a contraction a lot of ways Mm -hmm. because i've been i've never lived by myself um in my entire life i've always lived with my family or with roommates and stuff like that and then living by myself on the bus was was in a lot of ways a social contraction but spiritually it was an expansion Mm -hmm. and then now it's like i'm getting back and um i'm experiencing this contraction and then um but you're absolutely right because there have been times um where i have felt called to or like or even like to go in and talking to those people on the beach when i was afraid to go talk to them because it was like mind level afraid gut level go do that right and um there have been there are other events that have been like coming up in my life where i'm like already seen that happen and i'm just like already knowing that i should just not even fight fight it like whatever the gut says is kind of like what i should be doing you know and it's in uh, and again it's a conversation because like a lot of times like my my gut or my heart space higher self is like drop everything and become a monk right you know go to an ashram right, right. now like what are and you the, doing and the rational mind has to tune it down a little bit be like whoa 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 buddy like it's we like, still like, have to accomplish things hey, here those people are over there working on the ascension and like when when it's my time to do that i'll do that but like right now it's like okay like i feel like i have a a, a earthly oriented goal right. right now like and i i don't think that's gonna be true for the, my whole life and if, if you know whatever envision i have for myself it would be i spend the next 20 years working on these things working on renewable energy and then spend the second half of my life 
going away from that. It's mm-hmm. almost like engage on all of this, do like everything, you know, like in, in the story of Siddhartha, like go engage with all of the worldly things. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm still in that phase, you know, and, and like every once in a while I'll go into that other like spiritual realm. But then it's like I'm still on the earthly level and I really feel like I need to finish feeling this out. Like I have some per- – you know, because if the goal was – or if the the point of life was to just be one with the creator, we would never have gone here in the first place. Because right. it's like – Sure. Because like well, we're bo- just- Again, we go back to, you know, the, the body and the physical form serves a purpose. Yeah. You know, and part of that purpose is that it allows you to do the work in the lab that you are able to do, right? Without yeah. the physical self, you couldn't pick up beakers, you couldn't pick up chemicals, you couldn't do any of that stuff right. if you were one with the universe, right? right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you have to be in this physical limitation in order to serve this very real earthly purpose, you mm-hmm. know, which is part of the larger um transcendence the larger learning curve the larger learning process that you're trying to accomplish right yeah and like a lot of it is just about for me it's just in uh, it's been about appreciation mm. just gratitude just being like man at least this at least something's here yeah you know, at least something exists and how wonderful is it that it's beautiful and that i get to interact with it yeah and that it's like and that it seems like all of the things that come into my life seem to make sense at the time like having gotten leo Mm-hmm. like he is just so clearly a mirror of me in so many ways mm-hmm. and just like everything he does and like i've been taking him to lab even though or into my office even though we're not supposed to mm-hmm. have dogs in the building but it's perfect actually because he gets restless at the exact same time as i start to get restless and he just embodies it it's like my mind and my body is getting restless but part of like mostly my ego would be like no you need to sit here and finish this and then he's like, come on, let's go. And I'm like, ah, you're right, let's go. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'll, this is going to be here tomorrow. Like, he's almost like a, yeah, like a version of your higher self embodied in a dog there yeah. to not only hold space for you on these, on these journeys, but also to remind you of what your higher self really is, is wanting or craving. Because it's, it's almost like, you know, our pets can be in tune vibrationally with who we are yeah and they can sense when we're feeling things even when we don't you know like my dog will come up and and give me 10 times more licks on my face when he knows that something's affecting me even if i don't know what that thing is yet yeah you know he knows something's up yeah you know it's amazing how that how that happens as long as you can tune into that right you know a lot of people just let that kind of stuff that level of perception just pass over them right with no and they're interest. like oh it's just a silly dog right like oh go go lay in your bed yeah. while i finish this work like yeah. no you're not you're totally denying your inner voice <laughs> yeah you're you're denying this other being that is also you yeah you know yeah that's that's pretty amazing what pets can do for us yeah yeah so, so anyway um yeah let's wrap it up there uh, thank you for staying for two hours. Oh yeah, was no, awesome. this is great. This this is good um, reflection for me. Good, yeah. Um, so I want to encourage all of our listeners to go listen to the first half of this podcast. Also, go back and listen to Scott's uh, first podcast with us. Um, I think it was in the first ten episodes um, post DMT trip. So uh, Scott, I want to thank you again for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Good luck on your, um, ayahuasca journey next week. It's going to be fantastic as long as you remain open. Um, it's okay to have intentions and, um, some form of expectation, but also expect to, uh, be shown stuff that you 
you can't even imagine right it, right yeah. be open to that um i look forward to seeing you on the mats next week sounds good all and right you, you and kelly have fun in thailand yeah we're going to I'm thailand excited. for a honeymoon in a week and um she's never been out of the country so it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing thailand and and all the countries over there that i've been to really um you know when, as soon as i land i'm vibrating at a different level I feel like I'm home. Like these, you know, they're my people. They're, they're it's the same ideology that I ascribe to. Um, whereas here in the West, sometimes I feel like I'm not vibrating at mm. the same frequency as Western society. But over there, in Thailand, I feel spiritually at home, and I feel like that's where I belong. So it's going to be a great trip. Awesome. All right, man. Well, thanks for stopping by. And to all of our listeners, please check out mindops.com. That's M-I-N-D hyphen O-P-S dot com. Um, like and share our podcast and uh, donate if you wish so that we can upgrade our mic systems and put out a better message for you guys. So until next time, signing off with Conversations with the Mind, I'm Shane LeMaster, and we'll talk to you next time.